All right, boys, here we go. So uh, we're going to call this the NKOTB episode, Evan. So okay. we had a little change in the lineup tonight. Uh, Scouse is feeling a little under the weather. You'll change in, you know, the Scouse's house side of it. So you're stepping in the original the OG guy from Scouse's house in the podcast. You know, so that's a little bit of change. But one thing that doesn't change is the two best voices in USL, Batman and Robin, the, you know, dynamic duo. I mean, help me out here, Evan. You're, you're great with like all these parallels. I, I will tell you right now that I couldn't begin to guess which one was Batman and which one was Robin, but uh, I'm just glad that we've got superheroes on the pod tonight, regardless of which one is which. Mike Watson, Devin Kerr, thank you for joining us for a little preview of the season for uh, Lou City for all these changes we've got going on. So, guys, what what's happening here? I mean, I thought we knew our team, but I don't know if I know our team. Danny's signing everybody. Well, you can't go wrong with Danny. Uh, by the way, Mike Watts is already frozen. So, in terms of <laughs> Batman and Robin, the star does not freeze in situations like this. That's a supporting character at best right now. He's maybe Poison Ivy or Mr. Freeze, and we know how that went. So, he's got to work his way back up the totem pole when it comes to supervillains and superheroes. We all agree on that? It's like anonymous henchman that just gets killed early in a thing. Bingo, bingo. He gets knocked out, you know. Batman takes down one of the seven guys and moves on, and that's it. <laughs> the butler, he could be Alfred. You know, we'll, uh, we'll we'll let him see if he can earn something better when he comes back to the comes back to the party. Love that. That's yeah, man, Danny's Danny's working, dude. Danny's I, look. I think I think everybody had an idea, respectfully, that in the fan base or not, and of course, you guys are going to know better than anyone, but. Even people in the Eastern Conference, you know, we went to the Atlantic and Central last year. People saw everybody more regularly. And I think the writing was on the wall that there were going to be changes made. And that's not a knock on the players that were there. I think it's a combination. I don't want to say I think. I know it's a combination of the ideas that Danny wanted to implement into the squad overall. Some of the ages that came around with the players. Some of the overall performances over the past year, year and a half. And... You know, that's not just under the regime of Danny Cruz. And so changes needed to be made. Credit first off for someone willing to step in to a winning culture and already implement those changes last year. Now, I understand some of those started with John Hackworth, for sure. I'm, I'm with that. But it wasn't just getting players. That torch had to be passed and then successfully be able to step in and get the job done. So that started last year. The players now this year, I look at some of them and I just, honestly, I lick my lips. I think it was a fantastic job done in certain areas. There's some wild cards for sure. And then, wait, did we just go to, did we just go to a four box or two Mike Watts? <laughs> Utah, give me two. I, I I don't know what it is. It's Microsoft Quad box. Teams, guys. Quad box. Quad box. Quad box. <laughs> oh, Michael, oh, he just, anyway, he just yeah, like... He's Moves on from time to time. He's just good phases out. I like this style, though. It's a new look oh. for 2022. I'm not sure how well oh. it looks for your career, but, I mean, as far as our podcast, it's perfect. Terrible. It's terrible for my <laughs> career. It looks great, man. The beard's manicured. The hair's back. We're talking about Lou City. I almost feel like, almost, we belong. By the way, they made a Batman and Robin comparison. Your, your screen froze, and I said, at best, you were Poison Ivy or Mr. Freeze because your screen froze. Or your screen froze. When you're right, you're right. I'm just saying, dude. <laughs> no complaints here. Bingo. So, what do you think about the roster? I mean, we start. Yeah. We haven't really talked specifics, but I just said, like, basically, some of the writing was on the wall last year. It was difficult for Danny to take over. 
with the new changes, but he was successful and you had an idea that more changes were coming. It's basically the gist of what yeah. came out of this stupid mouth. Yeah, I mean, look, and and no, all due respect to some of the guys that I that I talk about here, but like Alexi Sawahi didn't really play a lot down the stretch. Akil Watts, he was a guy that John Hackworth really championed. You could say the same for Antoine Hopeno, who we knew back in Philadelphia, and even Jimmy McLaughlin to an extent. Um, Pat McMahon's 35, so you, you sort of wondered what the plan was there. The goalkeeping position was in flux the entire year, whether it be injury or form. So, you know, with Chris moving into different endeavors um, and you knew Jogo was was leaving. So, you know, right off the bat, you're going, okay, we're probably going to need, you know, three, maybe four, you know, starters or or one of those guys where if they're healthy, you, you can pretty much, you know, guarantee they're going to play um, before you do anything. But, you know, I think in terms of the roster build, faster um i think the midfield they largely left as is with a couple of guys that could compete for spots but i don't know that they entirely displace the guys who are already there and then you know like musha galusa great winger like i i I value him um higher than i valued hopano um you know same with wilson harris and kyle gregg so yeah, uh, it, it, the writing was on the wall, and John Hackworth, to be fair, was kind of saying, how long do I go with this current core before I have to rebuild it? And he was kind of trying to tinker with it on the fly, and I think Danny, with his own style, has said, okay, we're going we're gonna to do this the way I think it should be done, and, and good for him. I, I think Mike's got it here, is that that core conversation has been part of the Lou City conversation every offseason for the last four years of, are we going to run this back again? Is this going to be the core again? And if they are, are they now too old? Are they, is the USL now passing by? And each year we've made it back to the Eastern Conference Finals and competed. But every year that's been the question. And I think that I, I love that Danny in his first full season and first off season in charge said, yeah, we're going to we're going to transfer some of this out and start turning it over. And they really tagged the let's get younger and let's get more physical across the board. And so, like they're saying, like, Alexi Swahi and Pat McMahon and Joga, that's three guys he basically thought were starters at the beginning of the season last year. And I know Alexi sort of tailed off and lost some minutes to, to Sharpie by the end of the year, but those are, that's the back line minus Sean Tosh. And so a ton of minutes to replace. And those minutes were largely replaced by younger players and players that you can hope are going to be USL stalwarts for the next four or five years, the next run that we go on. So let's start working from back to front. <clears throat> so we're going to try to do this on about a, two and a half, three minute run on each one of these, just because I know we're going to be a little quick for time, but I've got this much knowledge in here and I want to kind of make this quick fire the best we can. So we step right in with the keeper, Kyle Morton. Thoughts on how he slots in and what, what have we seen from him in the past? You know, Devin and Mike, you guys call every game in the USL, basically. <laughs> so Devin, it's probably a little easier shot for you because you're used to having those guys behind you. You have a different take on that, you know, coming from playing in the back line more. I like Kyle a lot, to be honest. And, and if you look at, his performances and his numbers. You can say this for a lot of goalkeepers, but I think he starts to separate himself that reps equal results. That's what it is for Kyle Morton. And if you look at his career, he left, leaves James Madison, right? 
anybody that ends up as a Bob Lilly disciple, I don't care if you're on the back line, you're on the front line, like you're going to find a way to be successful. Obviously, as a goalkeeper, we've seen some guys step in there and do a little bit more. But those goalkeepers have pretty much, meaning Bob Lilly's disciples, taken over the USL championship for really the last seven to eight years. Because you have Kyle Morton, um, what's Danny Vitiello, of course, Tomas Gomez was in there, even Brandon Miller. You're, I just named four out of the last seven that you could make the argument are top-tier goalkeepers in this league. I don't know if Kyle Morton gets enough credit because of the fact that he was under Bob Lilly, but I look at the transitional phase in 2020 under Anthony Pulis. Anthony Pulis in that year, very traditional 4-4-2. They did like to attack to unbalance with their outside backs, but it left the two center backs exposed a lot. Kyle Morton had to do a lot, and yet he still didn't give up that many goals. He still had a decent amount of shutouts. You guys know what that group was like. You you understood yep. what was going to happen. Yep. I was very impressed by Kyle, and if I could have looked at three or four goalkeepers that had the possibility of coming into the USL Championship, specifically Lou City, he 100% would have been right there at the top of the list. He's physical. He's tall enough. He's quick enough. Good distribution. He's not, To me, he's not a 10 on any single thing, but he's a solid 8.5 at every single one. So playing out of the back is really important these days, Mike. What do you see out of that? Is that, is that a good slot for Lou City? We have a tendency to like to play that and press forward. Is that something that you see out of Kyle? You know, it, I don't think he's been asked to do that enough in okay. Rochester, Pittsburgh, St. Louis, and then Houston, but basically he was at Memphis at the, at the tail end of last year. I don't think he's been asked to do that a lot. And let's say this about Kyle Morton, who, again, you know, St. Louis in their last year or in 2020, like he kept them in a lot of games. Yeah. I mean, there were mm-hmm. some games where, you know, they didn't have 18 guys and here, here he is sort of buoying the the side. And and he played pretty well against Louisville a handful of times as well. Um, he hasn't played more than 21 games in a year since he was a senior or maybe he was a junior at, at James Madison. And that's not entirely him. He was the number three on a stacked Rochester roster. And then 2018 season ending injury only played three. And then he started to get more time. Bob Lilly likes to split goalkeepers at times and, give each guy a run. So he gets 21 in, in 2019. And then, you know, uh, St. Louis was a short season and he was the backup in Houston before getting loaned. So it's not a knock on him. It's just, we've seen enough injuries among the goalkeeping, you know, core at, at Louisville over the last half decade that you, you just want to see him get starts and stay healthy. And I think even though Parker Siegfried comes in an incumbent, I don't know that he actually carries any incumbency value. It's not to say he's not liked or well-known or whatever. I don't think he wins the job because he was here first. That's a clean slate for that spot on that team. Agree. Everybody starts from scratch. I I think that uh, at best, amongst the fan base anyways, the hope is that uh, Parker is able to play a role similar to the one he did last year of that if you need him, you know he's going to come in and be above replacement level. And if he gets hot, then he can carry you for a couple of games. But the hope is that, or at least my hope is, is that uh, uh, Wharton comes in and takes the job and says, this is mine and uh, you can play when I'm tired or when we're up six. And that's the that's the hope uh, from my end. And watching him play the last several years, I'll say that 
the thing that I like best about him is that he just always seems so comfortable everywhere. Even when he's been on teams like St. Louis that were getting shot at constantly, he just looks cool and comfortable. If he gives up a goal, he doesn't seem to get down on himself. He's just, he seems like one of those cool customers that reminds me of uh, in, in demeanor reminds me of Ben Loon, who just doesn't look like they get rattled. It's okay. I'm back here. You know, if they're going to shoot, they're going to shoot. And if I sit on my ass for an hour, then great. But uh, I, I love a goalkeeper that just looks completely in control of their emotions. And he seems like one of those guys. Danny Fondes comes in, moving on to the next one, comes in, makes it through the trial. <clears throat> Do you all have anything on him? I don't. It it, it should not come up. It, that, really simply, it shouldn't be. It, that's one for the future if, if this season goes according to plan. Am I off yeah. base? No. Yeah, he's a two he's a two three for sure. Um, a depth guy. I remember talking about him with um Braden Cloutier because he was he was battling. I mean, this is back when when Frederick Dew was there in uh twenty twenty, I believe it was. You know, they had young Aaron Cervantes, Frederick Dew, and he just kind of stuck himself around. It's a guy who's gonna give you reps and you know, it it sucks to say, but at the end of the day, teams need a battering ram. And sometimes those guys push themselves through like Look, I'm going to stay after training and take free kicks and ping balls at someone. He's going to be the guy. You Hubbard. don't want injuries, and you need that depth. Loose City hasn't had the depth at the goalkeeping spot, yet alone a starter. I mean, Hubbard was that guy three years ago. Yeah. And he only first over. got in, what, in, in the Open Cup maybe? Um, and then he, you know, injuries. I mean, what, they used like six goalkeepers that year, which you never hope to do. But, I mean, yeah, same deal where it's <laughs> – Every team needs a battering ram. <laughs> hey, man, you're going to be a better shot stopper at the end of the year than at the start of the year. That's a guarantee. <laughs> Go over there, stand there, close your eyes, and I'm buying you dinner. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on up to defense, Jan Eric Leno. So I originally had this lineup set when I sent it out to Mike and Devin and Scouse, who's under the weather tonight. Uh, and then before I even got it set, I got another message from Lou City. Oh, I need to slide in this player profile. Go boys. This is a Devin special because he called his national championship at Marshall and Devin also uh, loitered in the German Regional Liga. So like this is this is Devin in a nutshell. Oh, Watts, we got to work on that pronunciation. So he's good. Uh, good attacker on the outside. He'll play on the right hand side. The there are a couple things that you want to know about him. Yes, there's the German pedigree from him. He's extremely tactically oriented, which is going to be a great thing for Lou City. Um, Chris, Gra yeah, Chris Grassi at Marshall likes to let his guys play, and he does it in a way that really challenges them. Now, some people don't like the Marshall mantra, if you will. They've got older guys. There are a lot of internationals that can play, but they still ask a lot. So you'll see one back go. You'll see two outside backs go. They'll send a center back and step up through. An outside back has to pinch. There's combination play in a 4-2-3-1. They play a single holding midfield in a 4-3-3. They ask a lot. There's not a lot of college teams that can do two things right in the nation. That Marshall team can do seven or eight. And they got a little bit unfortunate come the end time and running into the tournament this year. But in that national championship run, he's, the service is spectacular. I love watching the ball whipped in off his feet. Speed isn't blazing, 
but he's got a good physical presence and it's definitely good enough in the system that Danny wants that you could slot him in at times into a wingback spot or drop him into one of the three. Like he's got that versatility. And for me, it comes down to his IQ. Is it like a Jogo where we can fill him a little bit in that role where we got used to that or not enough? Not that quick. I I wouldn't get anybody used to Jogo because even when Amadou Dia comes in, you're going to see very different things out of Amadou Dia. And and let's say this about him right back is a position where Jimenez is never as good on the right as he is on the left. Yeah. The team never plays as well when he's on the right instead of the left. And so with Jogo, you're willing to say, okay, the, the operative value is worth it. Yep. But with, with John Eric, it's, it's, you finally have a right back that can whip service in from there. Yep. It would be an upgrade in theory to McMahon if he pans out. Is that that about right? Yeah, you got to watch the discipline aspect defensively. How much do they attack? Because kids that age want to play. They want to go forward. It's the popular thing to do. Can you do it on both sides of the ball? The question that I have is based off of what you just said about the system that Danny wants to play. Because we at Lou City have gotten extremely used to four-back line with two overlapping uh, runners, whether it was McMahon, whether it was Gomez way more, was it, whether it was Oscar in 17, 18, 19, we got very used to seeing the same system over and over and over again. Are we expecting that, uh, that uh, Jan Eric is somebody who can play as a wing back or a third center back. If that's the direction Danny really looks to be taking this team. Yes. I, I would, I would still keep him in a four. Personally, I think that's that suits him better. That's where the strongest asset is going to be. But if you look at every single player that's come in, even Amadou Dia, who operates out of a four-back spot, if you want to move into a wing-back style system, Denny and Hack and, you know, keep going, James, they always had three very, very strong center backs as individuals back there to the point that you could send your wing-backs and be okay with those three guys. I'm not saying that that's what's going to happen. But it's the versatility of players, and it's the trust of guys behind them. Again, Linos isn't blazing speed, but he can get the job done. So I see him in a four more than a three. But knowing what Danny wants to do, he'll be happy with him and try and move him around. Ian Solar gets added to the squad, came up through Espanol's academy. Uh, what do we know about him? Watts, me or you? Yeah, I mean, look, from from my perspective, not a whole hell of a lot. I mean, obviously read that he's played a little center back and a, a little holding mid. Um, they like him with the ball at his feet. So in theory, that that's all a good idea. I'm intrigued to see where they view him best. At minimum, it's more depth at center back. And I'll say I, I'm very interested to see if Josh Winder takes the next step next year. That's my and, biggest question for both of you and it's related to that is is Josh Winder the the odds on favorite to be the second center back next to Sean Tosh or do we expect it to be no. West out of the gate no we, it's Wes yeah Sharpie? it's got to be Wes uh, but okay. Josh is a perfectly ample number three yeah at this stage he's he's is he 16 or 17 did he turn 17 already I mean you I know think just turned 17 I think and look he's the kid out of Orange County yeah, the kid out in Orange County is a stud, too. Um, what, Kobe Henry, who's a center back, who's in the same age range. So it's not to say you can't get consistent minutes there, but I'm I'm not relying on him from the jump. And that's the fear, I think, with when you looked at this roster, was the idea of, at this point, it's Wes Sharpie and Sean Tosh, and then a teenager that 
we don't really know. He got some nice minutes last year, but it's still hard to judge from that whether or not he can be a center back on a championship winning squad. There was so much flux with Sharpie's injuries and Gomez going out uh, to do trials with national teams and uh, trials in Europe. And to know what the back line is going to look like this year is just the biggest question mark to me. And so I was hoping that we were going to say, oh, Ian Solar, oh, yeah, he's that guy is a, a surefire, easy plug and play starter. It's hard for me to know. And uh, I love Wes Sharpie and Sean Tosh, but there's got to be a third guy. And if it's Josh Winder, that's that's taking a risk or, or showing your faith. So move on to Amadou Jao, the first yeah. of our three people that we're going to pick up from the Kansas City region. We'll call it that if it was an NCAA championship pod. So uh, talk to us about this. This seems to be a little bit more of an impact one. He's watch. You want to take point or you want me to go with him since I had to cover every single game of every <laughs> single year? <laughs> I, I know. So Devin obviously handles a good amount of Phoenix games just based on East West Coast and, and doubling down. So he did. 83 games in Phoenix, and I would think he probably called like 74 of them. Um, <laughs> I, I, I would just off the top of my head say really logical fit. It, he has to defend, but really logical fit in theory at, at the outset. Um, I, I I thought this, once you let Gomez go um, and, and pursue his future, I thought as far as like the, the open market of outside backs that were available to be signed, I'm not sure there was a, a guy who I would I would say fit better. I wonder who's who's quicker, Jogo or Dia. I think it's Dia. Oh, I I think Jogo. Okay, so I that's how, that's what you're getting speed wise when you have two people wondering. So that's important. No. Um, leaner, right? Leaner. Um, still very physical though. I was actually quite interested in the move with Amadou Dia because. He's a good locker room guy. He's got that personality, outgoing, happy-go-lucky, but he does like to be in the limelight, and he likes to be kind of the center of the tension a little bit. A great teammate from what I've heard, though, and, and the conversations that I've had, but that's a culture thing that if you step out a little bit, you got to make sure you get it right. I would say that his distribution is not as good as Jogo. Still very good, but so you're probably going to lose some there. I think you gain more in his his ability to read going forward defensively on the transition. I think he's better than, than Jogo. I think Jogo got caught out in a lot of areas, especially as the year went on trying to figure out when to attack, when not to attack, when play broke down, where did he recover in? You won't see that as much from Amadou Dia. And you'll notice that his relationship that he creates with whoever's on his right shoulder or stepping in behind him is going to be a good one because he played next to a lot of guys in Phoenix, Sporting Kansas City, and Sporting Kansas City, too. Very rarely did I ever see him get caught out. Evan, any thoughts on that one? Moving on? I, I you know, haven't watched him play at Phoenix. I, I, I like him. I like his I've, game. I did, too. I don't have anything unusual to say beyond what, what Devin just said. I think he's going to be a really nice fit. I think it'll be interesting to see what that does in terms of, again, forcing Oscar maybe back out to the right, where I think he's stronger on the left. But, you know, it's... It, it's a great signing for, at the very minimum, uh, a, a, sur a surefire USL caliber left back. So the next one to move on to, and this will just be a quick hit because he's signed from Blue City Academy is Owen Dam. Uh, just down the street, you can see uh, just the way that Academy is starting to do our own grassroots stuff. Good to see a six-foot defender at 19 years old make it to the squad. I don't have anything to add to that unless anybody else does. 
I'm trying to rattle through these. No, a, a midfielder turned right back, which is always yeah. kind of intriguing. Um, but um, for what it's worth, the whole Bellevue University thing that the league and the team is putting together, and I think Devin, you'd agree, yep. is a little bit of a game changer for for USL Academy kids that take the pro right. deal and get the college degree. Yeah, for sure. I think it's awesome. You know, someone he that kind of reminds me in terms of skill set and the numbers is um, Mike. Stay with me on this, Peter Kuich. Yeah, boarding Kansas, Kansas City. City. He was a guy who backline, middle, you know, right back, holding midfielder, center back. That kind of had that versatility. But he scored a ton of goals at the youth ranks, and that's kind of what you've got going on here with Owen. I'm excited to see him. So the next one, we start moving into midfield. But before I hit this one, uh, because it is the Portland Timbers uh, shout on this one. I'm going to go back. It's kind of like a new re-signing. I know Devin and I, you and I messaged many, many times about Jorge Gonzalez. And to get this one locked down for this new season was a huge deal. It was a great loan move to get him over here. But you've been a huge fan. There have been a number of times when you and I have watched a game and just messaged and gone back like, whoa. Yeah. Did you did you see the, the move that he didn't even have to make and things happened around him because he has that vision? Is that something that's just a Timbers thing? Is that just talent that came through? And what can we expect out of this kid here? No, it's Timbers for sure. It's talent for sure. I think you get a little bit of of everything. It's a melting pot, right? When you've got a kid who he was touted, I don't want to say highly touted. They they saw that he had the skill set there for sure, but doesn't get to stay around very long, then goes somewhere, then gets injured. Like you're looking for games. More importantly, you're looking to continue to cultivate that individual as both a person and a player. Okay. And we're taught not to say the word think. But have, not knowing this person as an individual personally, I think Lou City got that right. The way Danny likes to play, the way Lou City likes to play, let me say that. The way Lou City likes to play is you need to be capable as a midfielder of sorts, especially when you have the attacking capability. You got to play the eight. You got to play the 10. You got to slide outside. You have to be willing to understand where the overlapping runs are coming from. Yep, you have to be yep, comfortable, yep. comfortable with your back to the goal. This isn't a system where you're going to step in and go, that's that. You know what I mean? I mean, Palo del Piccolo. Look at him last year and all the goals that he scored. Like, like that's, a, <laughs> that's a really good example of what they're looking to get out of a player for a guy that, what, 24 months prior, just slot him in in, in a two-system two in the midfield or, or as, a, as a lone six and just call it a day, right? And he's a wrecking ball. But I, I'm, I think he's going to continue to get better. This is the type of player where you could – not saying it's going to happen. You could eventually sell him. Watts was his impersonation of the Del Piccolo thing as bad as your impersonation of the German pronunciation of the league. Were those on par because they were equally shit? De Devin, my wife's going to have you murdered for that. Oh. <laughs> the Mediterranean in her is like, is going to be really... on my grave. I'll be happy. I know. Um, <laughs> No, mine mine was far worse. I, I've gotten better at Spanish for not being able to roll ours, but I still haven't figured out German. That's a mess. Um, uh, so Manny, Manny Perez. Oh, are we we, we skipping forward? Oh, no, with sorry. Jorge. No, sorry. Well, we talked about Jorge, but we were talking about the Portland Timbers thing with Manny Perez. That was a connection there. Yeah. Um, no, just, just to quickly touch on Jorge, because it, it, the thought crossed my mind. I'm sorry. Um at the end of the year, he had a bad game against Birmingham, and it it seemed to tail into the Tulsa game. Danny spoke about it then. It it struck me how he felt Jorge was able to handle those moments the right way, mm. and I think he takes coaching well. 
and I'm I'm intrigued to see him over a full off season where he doesn't have some freak injury at the beginning of the year get a full run out. That's all. Manny Perez, anybody got anything on that? Legend, love the kid. <laughs> yeah, he is, man. Look, he was he was an understudy at George Kiefer at NC State. Um, George Kiefer, by the way, the gentleman who took over from John Hackworth at USF that rescinded my scholarship offer, that SOB. Anyway, um, let's move forward. Okay, good. No, no, he's a good guy, good coach. So Manny Perez, um, interesting coming out of college. So it's it's the Celtics signing, goes on loan. Dave Sarakin loved him. He had a little bit of a health issue too, if I'm not mistaken, Mike, right? He was kind of injured in and out under yeah. Dave. Yeah, at, at North Carolina, yeah. Um, but think, I would actually say it's kind of a hybrid between Amadou Dia and Jonathan Gomez. He's going to be on the right side, right-footed. I would be, feel more comfortable with him in an advanced role. So outside back in a four, wing back for sure. I could actually see him even moving up in times of need, playing Mid-field. up on the front line. I mean, he's that good. His really? distribution is much better. He's pinpoint accuracy, whipping this thing into the box. Really good. The balance on both feet. We, you talked about Jogo and Amadou Dia earlier on. They've got a left foot and a right piece of wood that sits on the other side of their body. Manny Perez is not like that. He'll cut inside, Jordan cut outside. Shikuri. He'll challenge you anywhere. And he's really good in small, tight spaces. Forget the fact that he can fly by you with a ton of field in front of him. Yep versatility right. that that's that's the key to Manny Perez in in my mind and what we were just talking about earlier kind of the whole system it's the loose city system like Devin was referring to it just it's part of that to where you have to you just can't you can't play the six you just can't play that you got to move in different spots there so Carlos Mogul Jr. I have nothing on this <laughs> yeah I mean he, he played 11 minutes last year so I mean it's it's not like Evan, Evan got it 12 minutes last year just being behind the net I mean I think it was official <laughs> <laughs> hey it was a clean though that's your, all I'm gonna your say beard was on there for at least 14 minutes yeah. it made two saves um no local academy kid fill out the roster um get gets to be around pros every day and and we'll see what it turns into. They they like the kid obviously enough that they, you know, put him on the bench a bunch and got him into a game. But I don't know that he figures in beyond. I I could see him maybe being in that first Open Cup game, right? Yeah. And sort of let him run out a little bit. I mean, let's not forget that you need enough depth to be able to. In theory, this group expects to go three four rounds in in the in the in the Open Cup. That's a lot of midweek games. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think that might be a decent landing spot early. By the way, and this is just an initial comment because we're kind of just diving into the real depth of everybody's moves and who stayed here, who went there. Yep. It's quite interesting to me for Louisville how there are so many question marks at starting positions. But at the same point in time, think about the depth that you guys struggled with last year. Pretty much everybody was hurt and or out for one reason or another. I mean, I'm just looking at I'm looking at the roster here. Hubbard, Gomez, Sharpie, Tosh was not. Jimenez, yes. McCabe, not really. Corbin, yes. Paolo, not really. Jorge, yes. Cam, of sorts, niggles that he played through. Brian Ownby, of sorts, that he played through. Kyle Gregg, of sorts, that he played through. Opano, not really. Tyler Gibson, yes. Swahi, yes. Pat McMahon, yes. I mean, that's ridiculous that you have to name that many names. And they're supposed to be guys that are helping you starters. You need depth. And then not just guys that can just 
beyond the sideline, right? Guys that are going to make an impact because all of those names that you just mentioned, you talked about Ian Solar. You right. went from real quick, a West Sharpie starting on opening day to, oh my God, what are we going to do to, oh my God, we only have three center backs. You guys have solidified that in, in theory, right? Yeah. Mobile is a guy that is going to do that for you too. You need depth, you need experience. And to your point, like Orange County, you know, starting to find ways to push these guys through the system. And it's a business. Make money off them, man. You got to find the project and it's always a project. People don't like that terminology, especially once you get over into uh, the continent, but it's somewhere well, a project. It's a franchise. In his project. What what kind of bit, what kind of sell on fee do you have on him, Mike? Uh, on who? On Devin? Yeah. I, I'm his agent, 10%. <laughs> he can get whatever he gets, but I'm taking 10%. Please tell me it's not performance-based. No. Uh, uh, Devin no, will be no. calling a World Cup in the next decade. I've been saying this to everyone who would listen for like three Two years. Days. So you only have seven years left, pal. <laughs> oh, boy. Devin for 2026. There it Hashtag is. Hashtag it. Let's go. Ray Serrano. Coming out another West Coast, Northwest. We've got this whole Northwest vibe here, um, doing the PNW life here. So, twenty-year-old <clears throat> kid. Yep, comes in five nine, one thirty-nine, forward. What do we have on him? Um, played a ton in Tacoma, which was a far more competitive team last year. Um, obviously, there was all that question about, hey, wait, is this a loan or did Louisville sign him? Yeah, and apparently it is in fact a signing, and the team confirmed it. You're stealing a guy off of Seattle. Yeah, I, I mean, and you want to talk about you know a, a system organization under Brian Schmetzer and how it goes through the entire academy, um, which is set up uniquely compared to everybody else until like the under what Devin 14, 16s, roughly. They, yeah, they start to bring the kids in, but yeah, um, yeah, I mean. They they track them for a year. Um, plays a more forward um, midfield role. Um, I'm I'm interested to see how he leaves the Seattle system, but I hope he brings a little bit of it with him, if that makes sense. Yeah, I'm also curious with um with the way that Seattle used their players. Like when they got into their three back system, it wasn't. It wasn't wing back. It was three, four, three, or more advanced than that. So their flat, their back three had flattened out a lot. They played very advanced roles. Serrano is very comfortable with the ball at his feet and coming to the inside on overloads. Okay. So you can see a lot of four, five, six, or sevens of just mass amount of players within that system trying to attack and play off of each other. I actually wonder if this is a project piece because of the versatility that you could move into an interior type role. I haven't seen him enough in that fashion, but seeing him play against the Phoenixes, you know, against the Monarchs, against El Paso's, the better teams, he was very comfortable. So I sort of wonder, you know, when you see Louisville defended times, pinching him to the outside and then coming back in, I wonder if Danny's willing to, to put in some time on the interior and make him part of that project. Almost a false nine roll of just floating in and out of pockets of space, maybe just because he's good in tight advanced. space. I, I don't see not him that advanced. I see him more like, turn. yeah, like, like think, Corbin think when, when things were really clicking between Paolo and Corbin and everybody was healthy and you Good were seeing job, those Evan. late runs from Corbin, but not not as centrally located, pinched to the right a little bit more. Like Louisville defends in a 4-4-2 at times. It can be a 4-1-4-1 at times. So there's someone who could be on the outside, 
come back to the inside. And again, maybe they just keep him out there and continue to push push that idea. But he's really good with the ball at his feet, so I wouldn't be surprised if he comes inside. So I think one of the most exciting signings has to be Enoch Matty Mushigalusa. I mean, the, the pace. So we've got, I'm just seeing pace down the left now and pace down the right with Brian and Cam in the middle and all these other pockets now starting to open up to where you can play these little three-man games on the side and runners coming in and out. Tell me I'm not losing my mind because this is the one that's kept me up where I'm like, woo, I can't wait. Evan, go for it. Yeah, I'll I'll let the experts correct me after I say all this, but the bottom line to me is I loved watching Matidi play when he was playing for uh, KC2. He was, I mean, all respects to uh, to Wilson, we're going to talk about here in a minute, but I mean, he was the guy that always gave me gave me cold sweats about watching that team play. Uh, he just seems like one of those game wreckers, one of those you can't really plan for the stuff he does, and that's exciting to me because. We've had Brian Ownby on the right for a long time and haven't really ever found the perfect compliment on the left for him. We just haven't. We thought we might have with Antoine and it never panned out. And so I'm excited to see what it'll look like to have two guys that can really just change a game with their pace and with their planning out up front on either side of a, of a interior of Cam, Corbin, Paolo, uh, Jorge, whoever gets those interior minutes, uh, it, it's it's as exciting to me as any signing we've had in a while. He's fast, he's fun, he's got experience in the league, and he's also still young. And so those things combined, it's just he's a fantastic, fun signing for me. You can't teach speed, can you, boys? <laughs> Experts take it. Good, Watts. Um, one thing that intrigues me about Kansas City was they could go get smashed four to nothing, but they're always going to play the same way. It wasn't really about the result so much as it was hmm. the the theory of the attempt. And there were times where they tried to say, okay, let's lock a game down. I'm not saying they went to the 89th minute and said, but their overarching theory is, is we're going to play this way. And so I want to see how Enoch Mushigalusa comes into a team where the priority is winning every game. And I didn't always feel that was the case for Kansas City, um, especially in the later years. That in mind, um, I largely agree with the sentiment. Uh, the dude flies. Um, him and, and Wilson may actually end up getting together late in games. They had a big-time problem last year, Louisville did, giving up late goals. But I also think it was yep. not – I don't want to say lack of energy down the stretch. It's just he he opens the door to saying, be careful what you wish for if if you press really hard 85, 90 minutes um, in, into a game. And I actually – I think Mushigalusa might actually help alleviate some of that pressure. Um, I, I loved, I loved this signing him and Wilson. I loved all the Kansas city guys. Yeah. Yeah. There are two things that I wonder about. One is the winning side of things. We had the opportunity on three on the slides. We interviewed, um, interviewed Tim Howard and he talked extensively about guys coming out of the academies these days and how there was a, a family friend who was seeking Howard's advice on whether or not he should take a sort of lower end professional contracts within the academy 
that he was associated with or if he should take his full ride to an ACC school. And so he kind of, you know, waxed and waned on this is good. That's bad. You can't teach competition like you can't teach speed. And, you know, the will to win is something that can be contagious, but you also have to learn some of that. So that's I agree with Mike 100 percent on it. The other side for me is he talked about how they played and they stuck to it. That front three, a lot of times, a lot of times were out on their own. You're going to be asked to defend in a very different fashion if you're Enoch than what went on at Sporting Kansas City, too. And his running mates up there, I'm looking at the list now. Tyler Freeman, not so much Ozzy Cisneros, but Dominic Reshitar, Jameel Roberts, Rojay Smith, even Wilson. It was ball into the channel or let's press and chase 100 miles an hour. And while that is something that Lou City does show, a lot of times it's in glimpses or it's in very specific areas. It is not always the bread and butter, as you know. So when if Danny's got you on the on the left, like an open O, like a Jorge type role, like a um, a Brian Ownby type role on the right or left, and he's got you high, and he'll specifically be on the left. When you have to drop back, can you do it? Number one, and number two, how quickly can you do it? Because transitions are not just moving towards the goal; it's got to come back towards your goalkeeper and defenders as well. Yeah, and I think he's just a little more one-dimensional than than yep. Brian. And Brian's yeah. had ten more years right. to achieve that that level of dimension. But yeah, that's the 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 gaps that existed at times in Kansas City were pretty pretty staggering. Um, yeah. So again, really exciting. I, I I I'm just intrigued to see how it works. Um, when you have to be compact or when you need to, you know, force yourself to, to, you know, weather the storm as opposed to saying, well, we conceded a goal, so be it. Well, this is where I'm really hopeful that the, that the culture that exists with the pros that are still there is going to be able to rub off on some of these 19, 20, 21 year olds that were signed is that you're going to be with a team that's used to winning. You're going to be with a team that's used to having that experience and is there a better person to learn that process from than from Brian Ownby about how to fill those gaps? How to <laughs> no, make three it, it won't be Brian. Danny is going to ride his ass. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so rounding out the, uh, the, the final signing uh, as we work from back to front on this podcast um, is Wilson Harris. He was America's pro soccer's top scoring teenager in 2019 he's been splitting time between mls and usl how did he end up here is it a steal is there where, where should we be at on this oh um steal i think look I, I think it's a fantastic pickup let's start there because i talked about um you know transitional defending and, and different systems and things like that we all have all night long wilson harris has that capability mentally he also has the tendency at certain points in times to fade out of games and get marked out and kind of disappear from things. Again, that also goes back to some of the stuff we just referenced where when it's the front three and you're running around and you're chasing, there's a lot of frustration that comes for a young player. Um, I actually heard, I don't know if this was ever confirmed, Mike, I picked this tidbit up when you and I were doing the ACC final in 2000 and was that 18? 18. 2018. I had actually heard that he had committed to Louisville to play and be a Cardinal. Now, I don't know if that's, if that's official or not, but you know, for, for one reason or another, there was, there was something there already. Um, 
Oh, here you go. I didn't even, check this out. It's actually on his Wikipedia now. So go figure. Um, <laughs> di didn't even know that that was like a, a news thing or that it was well known. So um, forwards, forwards and goalkeepers. That, that's the biggest, biggest thing that you get scared about when they're not getting regular repetitions. So a kid has success does well in the air on the ground it's funny because you look at him he doesn't look super quick but his first step is pretty decent a little bit huskier but he still has got a good first step and just kind of gets that job done um mike why did the lights go out are you setting the, the tone for your your main exit they, here they haven't changed they i changed. haven't moved they changed mike's got mood lighting and all i get is this freaking spotlight in the corner what kind of operation are you running here damn it oh, um wow. so so yeah, you know, can he stay in games competition as well? You can't fade. You got to continue to chase, you know, think about how much work cam does off the ball. A guy is obnoxiously consistent in that area. So I wonder that, and I wonder what it, what it's like when you don't score two, three games in a row and you start to head to the bench, you know, or you're coming off the bench and you're asked to do a job in the final 15 or 20 minutes. He was used to being the guy gets a first team contract. Doesn't score as many goals, starts to fade out. Now is the time where you start to answer your critics. Yeah, and uh, what strikes me is this is probably the first time since 2017 that you haven't had a true target number nine on the roster. It was Luke. It was Kyle. Wilson isn't really like that. It's not like you play the ball into his feet and run everybody around him. And obviously Cam has the capability to hold up play a little bit, but that's not always him at his best. Um, you, you don't have that big, stodgy Steven Dos Santos, Luke Spencer, that guy. Um, and, and that's going to be an interesting kind of, they liked to use that as sort of an end of game battering ram. Um, to either sort of close the game down or try and beat you up a little bit, knowing that you've already played 80 minutes and you can bring that guy in. Um, Wilson, I, I, I don't want to call him a, like, you know, he, he takes out the trash, you know, like in the best possible way. It's not that he didn't score some good goals along the way, but he also, you know, sort of put his nose in it a little bit sometimes and, and found them. So um, if you get 30 games, eight starts, five starts, um, spelling cam and eight goals, I'm, I'm really happy with that outcome. And if you can use them in the open cup, you know, those first couple rounds, I'm really happy with that. Um, I don't know how, how I do wonder if something happens to cam. Cause it's always, it's a hamstring, it's a toe, it's a, concussion and, and it's not to take any shine off of cam just the history is there that you just you know can wilson carry the team for a month yeah. i don't know the answer to that at this level yeah the question i would have for you guys to follow up with that is you just sort of listed what your dream scenario was for a good looking season from wilson Let's take Jorge out of the equation because we saw him for most of a year and have a concept of what he is and what he brings to a loose city squad of everybody. We just talked about who are the two players you would expect to see big minutes, two guys that you think are actually going to play. We just listed a lot of like Swiss army knife guys. And you talked about how they could maybe play on the right or maybe play centrally or maybe play a little farther up or a little farther back. Which of those guys do you really see getting minutes 
in a uh, in a Blue City squad where you feel pretty confident about seven, five to seven of the starters and the real minute eaters every game. Yeah, I mean, Devin, correct me if I'm wrong. Dia does not come here to play off the bench. He's his uh, name was in his name, no pun intended, was in Sharpie next to West, but right when he signed. Yeah. So, uh, you you're welcome. Bastard. Fucking midseason form, and you didn't even know it. Let's go. <laughs> so I, I just tweeted. <laughs> did you guys see the Wheel of Fortune thing where the where it's a feather in my lap, a feather in my map? It was a feather in my cap. <laughs> Dev, you may not have seen this. No. Uh, but you know, like all but two letters are there and it comes to this woman twice and she can't get it. And so I, I, I don't know, man. I, it's, I, I said wheel of misfortune. Am I right? And I, I'm getting cornier and so are you, which is depressing, but I, this okay. is a long winded way of saying that's that. what happens um, if you take bourbon out of my diet. <laughs> uh, Dia is, is a day one starter. Musha Galusa is at minimum a rotation starter. If not the starter day one, I would think, I think Serrano plays most every game. Um, don't know what the plan is with some of the guys who haven't been in the league before, but, and I would expect Wilson to be a regular off the bench. That would be four guys right there, I think, out of your top, call it 15, plus Morton, assuming he wins the job, you're talking five of 16 um, that, that are new for me. Well, then, Devin, let me ask you the follow-up question to that. If we presume that Mike is essentially right about everything he just said, as I always do, then <laughs> – we, yeah. the, the question I have is what impact, what established loose city guy is the, is the biggest casualty of that? I mean, we're talking about a lot of players like Napo Mitsoso and Niall McCabe who have a lot of positions, can get a lot of minutes in a lot of places, but don't have a locked in. This is where I play. I'm a starter kind of role of the new players pushing some minutes what loose city guy for, for i mean essential loose city guy uh is the is the big casualty of that move that's a really good question and uh i hate even i can't even believe i'm gonna say this kid's name because i like him i think he's a good person and i think he's you know one of one of the ogs i would say because of the versatility of some players because of conversations we've had danny with danny behind the scenes now mind you this this can rotate to other ends, but I actually think you're going to run into some issues with Oscar Jimenez. Personally, that, that is painful. Like yeah. in my in my cockles of my heart, that's really painful. Uh, but it's also, heart. yeah, that's I, I said what I said. Uh, and with <laughs> that, uh, the uh, the it's not entirely shocking with some of the injury troubles he's run into the last couple of seasons plus. Uh, the fact that uh, he's not young when it comes to the USL anymore, and the role that's expected from those that position is one of uh, that that requires a lot of stamina and speed combined. I, that's not entirely shocking to hear. Yeah. Now, to be clear, just also understand, and and I, I think we're all on the same wavelength there. The other part of it is is we're talking in a perfect world where everybody is healthy and we're playing the thing we're playing the way that they think they're going to play individuals. I'm not even talking about the team. Then you run into a situation where all of a sudden, you know, you've got Linos is out. Perez is out. Amadou Diaz is out. And 
Oscar Jimenez is back to your starting outside back. And as we know, just because you were a starter before, if you're playing well, they're not ripping the shirt off you in the lineup. So he could easily be the starting outside back on either side of the field. I just think that with the depth that's been acquired, with the versatility of some of the players, and the way that this team has furthered its ability to show different looks, given the players that they've acquired, I could see him being the biggest casualty of all this. And what's funny to me is I think each of the last two or three years, I said, oh, McMahon's the guy who's about to get Wally pipped. That's the guy who's going to step out and whoever they bring in, but whether it be Jogo going overseas for trial, it was Oscar getting injured. It was Sean Francis on international duty and just not playing that well. Um, I, I thought there was a fair amount of, you know, oh, he's getting a little older, a little longer in the tooth. And, you know, maybe this is finally the year. And yet he always managed 20 starts in, in the NFL. You call it a swing tackle. The guy who takes one roster spot, but can play left and right tackle and maybe could even play a guard. That's Oscar Jimenez at minimum to me. Yeah. If he's not, I, I don't know that any of the right backs have earned the right to start over him from day one, but then we'll, yeah. we'll find out, you know, we'll find out in what, 10 days. So to wrap this up, because uh, Devin, you, Mike, you've been gracious with your time, and I know you've given us more than what we deserved. Thank you so much for doing this. We hope to do it again sometime midseason. But uh, final question for you guys, kind of to piggyback off Evan, but to kind of put it full circle with the roster changes that have happened, Louisville City feels like they've strengthened a little bit. Is this still our normal spot as in over a thousand occurrences? Is this still an Eastern Conference final team? Less, better? Where, what's your What's your thoughts? Yeah, of, of course it is. And and I'm not saying I guarantee they make the final. What's funny is, is we've sat here every year and gone seven years, seven finals. But there was always, typically, maybe there was one or two years where it wasn't the case. It was penalties. It was, you get to cup football and it's it's never quite like that. I think Birmingham is substantially better. Marlon, uh, Enzo Martinez, um, I, I think they've filled that roster out really well. The Rowdies are as good, if not better. I think Miami is going to be better. Um, and let's not forget this. You know, a lot of the two teams are gone. And the teams that, that were right. elite took all the points off those teams pretty consistently. And so you, you don't get those anymore. And you have to play everybody now. I think that benefits Louisville in the grand scheme, but let, let's not lose track of the fact that, you know, now you can be a seven seed. You know, there are a lot of home games. Uh, to be fair, they went to Indy and won and went to Pittsburgh and won, but, um, you know, you want to play as many home games as you can. And with Pittsburgh, which I think is better, Tampa Bay is better than they were last year. Birmingham is better than they were last year. Miami is better than they were last year. And, you know, maybe Indy is, is better than they were while they are. Um, you're talking five, six teams improved. They are. They, they just fucking are. I don't know what to tell you. Um, if they're not so, better, I won't even enjoy beating them. No, no. But I'm ready. I, I, Dev, I don't know if you know this because I think we're on the game together. I only have one game that weekend, but I'm flying all the way down to Florida to call the Louisville Indianapolis Proximity Association football contest by its lonesome. Love it. this year 
I don't, I don't know, Dev. That that's my thought. I, that yes, they they have every possibility to get there. It doesn't mean they will. Yeah, yeah. So by the way, Indy is better. I prepped them today. Uh, I did twenty-two yep. players, and there are four more that are, or sorry, th- three more that are coming out. They'll deepen the squad as well, and make them better. I look at. I'm I'm curious to see. By the way, some of the cross conference games because I know you guys play. You play Orange County, you play Phoenix, Phoenix, you play them at home, but you have to go to San Diego. Which is horrible. Why do they bring us Phoenix on a Wednesday? Somebody so, so that you could be that, uh, wait a minute That's so that you useless. could be on national TV so that Bingo. we could put our best game of the entire season on paper on national TV. That's why we did it. You guys are a, a primetime game under the lights in front of what could be very well should be a sellout crowd. That is literally the league's pipe dream five years ago. And that's yes. why you're playing on a Wednesday. I know it's go. annoying Fair for enough. the fan, it but is. that's why. We yeah. need to tailgate four hours before. I mean, we need to be pulling old stuff, like from the, the finals back at the old Cardinal Stadium. Careful, there, there is a chance. Careful, Watts. <laughs> there is a chance Devin and I might what? possibly. The reunion may happen. Uh, we may be getting the band back together. Maybe. <laughs> oh, this is the brown water revival we've been talking about for years, boys. Bingo. Bingo. Let's just say that someone's going to be buying stock and it sure as hell ain't on the NASDAQ. <laughs> <laughs> if that happens, the amount of red carpet that'll be rolled out at that tailgate for you, I can't even. I can't Dude, even... We, we've been to every every final that was in Louisville. We walked out to the tailgate. Uh, I we th- I make that every final I do I try and get out to the tailgate just to experience it because they come and they go really quick, and and you want to just soak in why fans care. I know that sounds silly because I've done seven of them, but like you you really just want to feel feel that energy. Um, six of them COVID, um, <laughs> but. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, before we came on that, I was going to keep the sucking up to you guys to a a bare minimum tonight, but I'll just say that, you know, we love having you guys out. We love the fact that when we don't get to make it to a game, we know that there's at least a 50, 50 shot that one of you guys is going to be on the call. And then a quarter of the time we get you both. And that's, that's phenomenal. You're the best at what you do. I know Katie's going to say all the plaudits as we leave. So I wanted to get my shot in that. It's always a pleasure for me to talk to you guys and you won't believe the amount of street cred. I worked for the team for two and a half years. I get way more credit when you guys mention my name on a broadcast than I ever did for actually being at on the field helping. <laughs> it's way more credit for me. So, uh, you know, I'll keep, I'll keep sending you stupid stats and let you choose whether or not to use them. I just want the whole purple family to know we, we don't have favorites. We love you all equally. It's I, 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 you know, it's... so, De- so yeah, we'll move on. De- so Devin, um, so to answer the same question that I asked yeah. originally, Mike was asked answering. So based on all those things, a thousand occurrences, Eastern conference final, you, you do your predictions and you change them through the year. And I've gotten your bracketology before and I got screwed on New Mexico one time and there we go. There it is. Um, so I actually think you're going to see a tremendous shift in the East because I agree with Mike. I think Tampa's gotten better. Miami's gotten better. There's so long way to go, but I do like the project that's going on under Ben Pierman and 901 FC. Um, Indy's gotten better. Tulsa has gotten better. I, I don't know what Charleston Battery are. 
I mean, I haven't really figured them out yet. I think that's a project piece and we'll see, but so you're going to see a switch. I, I do think this is still going to be a top heavy conference in my opinion. However, it's championship or bust. And I would say that if all of these moves weren't made, um, this is one of the organizations that top to bottom, when I look around the league, whether it's the head coach, the front office staff, the groundskeepers, you know, the facilities, the players, the guys who are running PR, media, you name it, the fans, obviously one of the most important ones that gets it right and gets it right on a regular basis. The only reason this team comes out every single year is to win a title. And, and that's just the way it is. The stars are there for a reason. They're going to continue to try and find ways to bring more. And the battling ground in certain areas is going to get a little bit harder. It's still top heavy, but I think the better teams that I would look at, like the Birmingham's, I think they definitely got better. I agree with Mike. Miami's going to get better, but I, I do think some of the, some of the other ones have like dropped off a little bit. John Wolinek leaves Red Bull too. That's a huge, huge, huge loss for that organization. And I'm not saying that. Um, oh my God, what is it? My friend from Seattle actually took over. Who uh, is Hutchins? Uh, no, 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 no. He's in El Paso. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Steve Hutchinson. We don't want to talk about El Paso right now. Anyway, um, we don't yeah, talk about I, Bruno. I that, yeah, he'll do a good job out there. And um, but yeah, this is championship or bust. And if if come you know October, November, things things aren't going your guys' way, I would be very surprised. Gary Lewis. Gary Lewis. God Gary damn it, Lewis in it. the news. Oh, I can't believe it. Oh um, my God, he's gonna hate me for that one. I'm gonna get <laughs> stomped. <laughs> Freaking Devin Kerr. He's like, oh, you can name Brian Schmetzer and Henry Brauner, but Gary Lewis you can't come up with. Oh. Tweeting, tweeting at him right now. Yeah, Evan, appreciate the kind words, by the way, man. Yeah, honestly, Likewise. Like, Mike One and I, it, it means a lot to us. It means a lot. And and obviously, we, we love hearing the good things. We have to hear the bad things, but it means that much more when we get it from you guys. The invite alone is is worth its weight in gold, yet alone the kind praise you've been been sweet enough to send on to us thank you so much gentlemen uh one quick plug and then we'll close it out so since uh scouse couldn't be on here you all know that scouse works at the brown hotel it's number one rated hotel in louisville he has arranged for discounts for away supporters so if you guys are ever on pods talking to some of the way people that are coming here be sure everybody knows where to find scouse uh that's easy enough to do if you have never been there and tried out the hot brown that's where the hot brown originated here in louisville and if you've never had a hot brown you haven't been to louisville whoa so, that's where it originated huh Yep. Yep. At the Brown Sounds Hotel. like something we should totally look into on July the 19th. <laughs> yeah, that, we got to work out because that's on the opposite end of town. You know, I'm basically navigating a, a very interesting spot where I'm at the stadium. I'm at a hotel or I, I may be borrowing some brown water from a couple of establishments. Now I got to venture. What is that? Is that West? Yeah, it's not very far, though. I've, I've oh, got okay. four. I've got four wheels and, a, and an attitude to do it. So <laughs> we'll, we'll be fine. There you go. Perfect. Count me in then. I'm in. All right, boys. I know a lot of things changed, but you all took the time for this. Mike, you got married. Devin, you've got number two on the way. Appreciate it so much. Evan, thanks for jumping in. It's always a blast to have the OG back on here and run the show. We look forward to listening to you guys on the USL. Every time y'all are on, I typically text one of you all or tweet at you guys. So it's not because we're trying to get attention. Y'all are just that good. I appreciate all the effort that you all put in to grow in the game. Thank you very much. Cheers, boys. See you soon. Thank you. See you. Thanks, everybody. A lot of fun. Thanks, y'all. Be good, okay? See you, brother.